Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Peter Waltz. Over the past few weeks, like all podcasts, we've been focusing on the biggest issue affecting businesses and organizations globally, that being the spread of COVID-19. But in addition to touching on the stories and the events that are happening in these countries, we're also fortunate at the ELA to have the chance to dial in our local lawyers that are practicing on the ground in these jurisdictions, and they're working daily to help clients deal with these difficult times. Since the outbreak began, we've had the opportunity to touch base with colleagues from China, Italy, France, all across North America. And in today's program, we're going to focus on the country with the second largest global population, and it's climbing, and the fifth largest economy in the world, and that'll be India. So joining us today on the program is Atul Gupta. Atul is a partner from Tri-Legal in Bangalore. He's going to shed some light on how business has been impacted in this huge country and what recent legislation and government directives have been put in place to impact their economy. Atul, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Pete. It's a pleasure to be here, and I hope that's true for you as well. Yes, we're, we're, we're hanging in over here in the U.S., uh, but again, boy, every day is, is another challenge. So I'm sure they're like with most other countries, you're now in the middle of a lockdown. Can you give our audience a sense of when that started and what the timeline looks like for India? Sure, Pete. So India started with some travel restrictions initially, uh, but moved into a complete countrywide lockdown in phases by the 25th of March. Uh, to start with, places like theaters, malls, etc. were closed down and organizations were advised to encourage work from home. But this eventually expanded into a complete lockdown, which is meant to last till the 14th of April. The Prime Minister has uh, more recently indicated that the lockdown may be lifted in phases. Each state government would have some flexibility in determining how soon and the extent to which the lockdown would be relaxed. Tell me about the travel restrictions. What are some of those travel restrictions? So the Indian Bureau of Immigration imposed uh, travel restrictions uh, in a progressive manner. Initially, only individuals who had visited China anytime after the 15th of January were prohibited from entering India or applying for a fresh visa. This expanded soon to several other countries with a high COVID-19 case history. And eventually, all visas to India were suspended, including those belonging to overseas citizens of India. The only exceptions that remain covered employment visa holders and diplomats. Even electronic visas are, are suspended. All travelers with travel history to certain countries are also placed into mandatory home or institutional quarantine. Now, closer to the nationwide lockdown announcement that happened on 25th March, the government decided to comprehensively close India's borders and prohibited landing of any commercial flight from any location into the country from 22nd of March. This was initially meant to last till 31st of March, but now has been extended till mid-April. All domestic air and train travel, except for the movement of goods, has also now been suspended till mid-April. So with all these suspensions on travel and, you know, we can move goods, what businesses can operate during the lockdown in, in India? So the lockdown has been quite comprehensive and disallows almost all operations including hotels and schools, except very specific essential and government services. And that too are meant to be operated in limited numbers. 
Essential services must operate with minimal staff to maximize social distancing. Each state government has come up with a system of issuing passes to organizations and individuals who are considered essential to operate during the lockdown. It's quite different times, quite frankly, here in India. It sounds like most private most private shops and commercial establishments can only operate from home with very limited exceptions for things like grocers, banking and ATM services, IT operations that cater to essential services, public utilities, telecom and internet services, media, you know, delivery of essential goods like food and medicine, security, hospitals, pharmacies, etc. Manufacturing also has almost come to a standstill with very limited exceptions. Well, Tool, this sounds like incredible impacts on, on businesses and certainly on the employee base, but what obligations do employers in India have towards their employees in a situation like this? Pete, employers have been expected to allow their employees to work from home wherever possible. Now, naturally, not all jobs lend themselves to remote working, leaving a large section of the working population unproductive due to the lockdown. Well, with those unproductive staff members, I mean, are employers obligated to continue paying unproductive staff? I'd like to start by saying that the approach for this can vary based on several factors, including the terms and conditions of the contracts and policies that organizations have in place. To that extent, this would be viewed as very high-level guidance only and not a case-specific opinion because that would have to be obtained separately wherever necessary. Having said that, while there is no continuing obligation to pay individuals hired on a daily wage basis, the position can be quite different for permanent employees who are paid on a fixed annual or, or monthly basis. The concept of no work or no pay is hard to rely on when the employee is willing to work, but the organization is incapable of hiring the employee due to various reasons. In such circumstances, the refusal to pay wages could be argued to be a breach of contract. Now, in some industries, the employers could rely on layoff provisions under the Indian Industrial Disputes Act and place unproductive employees on, on 50% pay during the lockdown. However, at the same time, it must be noted that the central government and several state governments have rolled out orders requiring employers to treat all such staff, even if they are unproductive, as if they are on duty and pay them their regular wages during the lockdown period. Further, advisories and strictures are being passed by various governments, either imploring or simply directing organizations not to terminate staff during the lockdown. Depending on the location of an organization's operations, these could be binding in nature or in the form of an advisory. That said, even if these strictures are eventually challenged as being too wide or excessive in nature, they have muddied the water sufficiently to cause employers to pause and think twice before they take any sort of pay cut or termination measures, at least during the lockdown. The state labor authorities and sometimes even the police are pursuing complaints of terminations or wage cuts quite aggressively. So you know, I've got to imagine this is this is turmoil like it is in the rest of the world, and the and the impact on the economy is significant. I mean, it's resulted in a global economic recession. So, what options do employers in India have if they simply don't have the means to continue paying their employees? What do they do? 
Yeah, so we are actually seeing this, you know, with several organizations and sectors like airlines, hospitality, tourism, travel, having to make such difficult decisions. It's sort of unavoidable. Now, keeping aside the government advisories and strictures that I just talked about for a bit, under Indian law, pay cuts, reduced working hours, unpaid furloughs, etc., are viewed as adverse changes to the terms of employment. Now, even asking employees to use paid leave balances that they may have accumulated over a period of time could be viewed as an adverse change. Since employees have the prerogative under law to decide when they want to use their accrued leave. So for junior staff who can be categorized as workmen under Indian law, an organization would be expected to follow a process before carrying out any sort of adverse changes. The process involves giving them a minimum 21-day advance notice in a prescribed form, along with a copy to the labor department. What the workman could do is challenge such a change before the expiry of the 21-day window, in which case the organization may not be able to implement it. So given this complexity, organizations can instead adopt the approach of seeking employee consent to such changes, which could also allow them to roll out the change faster. We've in fact been assisting various organizations in implementing such measures successfully, where employees believe that such measures are actually a better trade-off than a potential job loss. Now, this is for workmen. Bear in mind that for most senior employees, such changes could require contractual amendments itself. If not contractually agreed, these could be implemented more easily on a unilateral basis. Therefore, to start with, most organizations are opting for cost-cutting measures that cover more senior employees and or which target discretionary elements of pay. However, the narrative might change in the future if this lockdown continues for longer. So what, what about terminations, though? Is it legal to terminate staff? So terminations merely on account of a temporary lockdown, which is currently for three weeks, may not really meet the test of reasonableness required under Indian law before retrenching at least any workmen. However, where the redundancies have less to do with the temporary lockdowns itself and more to do with the overall downturn in business, employers may be able to justify their actions. Once again, due to the government strictures during the lockdown, terminations should be avoided till 14th of April unless absolutely necessary. Please note that the process for termination for junior employees who can be classified as workmen can be significantly more difficult and can vary depending on the industry in question. For example, uh, manufacturing establishments in India with 100 or more workmen actually need prior government permission to terminate any workman or to close down the factory. These permissions are incredibly difficult to get. So termination of permanent workmen in such organizations can be very, very difficult. Further, organizations are expected to follow rules like the last in first out rule before retrenching any workmen. And they also have to make several severance payments to the terminated staff. So all these rules have to be kept in mind before you can actually go about terminating people in India. Well, I know that many governments are offering support to different types of industries. I know here in the U.S. we're going through lots of policies now to offer 
supports and, and loans and other things. Has the government offered any support to the industry that allows them to retain staff? So far, most government measures in India have favored employees in some form or manner. As I mentioned earlier, some states have passed explicit orders demanding that all staff be deemed to be on duty and be paid in full. So that's been sort of the approach that the government is taking. They've also, in some states, mandated an extra 28 days days of fully paid leave for anyone infected or quarantined due to COVID-19. But the benefits that are available to employers themselves are frankly very, very few and insufficient in nature. The only key measure so far is that the governments have offered to pay provident fund contributions for both the employer and the employee for the next three months in small businesses, essentially businesses with up to 100 employees of which further, at least 90% have to earn below a wage threshold of INR 15,000 per month. Uh, as you can imagine, this potentially covers only a minuscule number of employers in India. And there too, it only covers a very tiny portion of the payroll cost relating to the provident fund contributions. So in all aspects, these measures are quite small and don't help employers too much. Employees have been permitted to withdraw their social security savings due to this crisis to help shore up financially. But here too, the government is not contributing anything. The employees are dipping into their own savings for sustenance. The government has also offered moratoriums on, on loan EMI payments for three months. And while this may ease the financial burden temporarily, it does not amount to a waiver of the loan in any manner. So anyone who opts for this moratorium is in fact increasing their interest payment liabilities. So unless and until the government in India can come up with a far more generous support package as we are seeing in countries like the US and UK, employers are likely to be left with no other option but to terminate staff or to take other cost-cutting measures, irrespective of government strictures to the contrary. And especially if this lockdown gets extended beyond the 14th of April. Wow, that is really, really a challenge. Well, what about the health and safety obligations? And how is that, you know, associated with, with COVID-19? How is that unfolding? So employers in India have a general duty of care towards their employees. Right. So for the limited number of employees who are allowed or required to operate from physical office spaces, Employers should adopt various social distancing and sanitization measures that have been recommended by the Ministry of Health for the staff who are working remotely from home, etc. Employers should create a formal work from home policy and not do this on an ad hoc basis. It should also educate them on appropriate safety measures, uh, good work ergonomics, and also reiterate security and confidentiality requirements so that its own interests are protected. Wow, so much going on over there. And again, we're still early on in this. And uh, it looks like there needs to be some more, some more intervention from, uh, from the government and that businesses in India will continue to be challenged. What other things? Is there anything else that employers should be aware of? So, Pete, from a legal standpoint, you know, I think what employers should note is each state in India has passed regulations under what is known as the Epidemic Diseases Act which has classified COVID-19 formally as an epidemic disease. Now, these regulations give wide-ranging powers to the government to seal and contain entire areas and buildings, 
convert them into containment centers mandatorily place individuals into quarantine etc right but given the nature of powers that the government had uh to avoid any such severe measures it would be important for organizations to actively and closely monitor employee health and strictly follow social distancing norms so that they can avoid facing such severe measures in any form or manner so i would also recommend that employers take note of this landscape in organizing their operations in the near future wow atul well thank you for that update and uh Gosh, I hope you and your family stay safe over there. Again, we get to speak to all of our colleagues around the world, and I wish you and your family and friends well, and uh, please be safe over there. Thank you for your contribution today. My absolute pleasure, Pete. I wish you the very same, you, yourself, your family, your loved ones, and your colleagues. And it's challenging times for everyone around the globe, and, and hopefully we can all work together to come out of this stronger. I totally agree. Thank you so much. To our listening audience, if you'd like to connect with Atul Gupta at Trilegal, our ELA member firm in India, or any of our law firms around the world, you can search for them on the ELA website, which is ela.law. Right on the home page, you'll see a big box that says Find a Lawyer. Click on it, choose the jurisdiction you're interested in, and make your contact there. On the website, you can also receive invitations for upcoming webinars, download white papers, search our on-demand content in the library, and also access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks for listening.